Bang! What's up, y'all? I'm Nick, a senior writer over here at Sports Pack 12, and this is going to be our mailbag question segment. So I'll be answering the questions you sent in here in a podcast format, and if you'd like a written response, send them over to fellow senior writer and Dane Miller. And so in all seriousness, I have a lot of fun answering these questions. They take my research and my thinking all over the conference. And one point I want to reiterate is I'm just like you. I'm a Pac-12 fan, so in all seriousness, we're one and the same. We may cheer for different schools, but hey, we're all Pac-12 fans in the end. We're very similar. So from down south to the Arizona schools, to up north to the Washington schools, to east out in Utah and Colorado, we got Oregon and Cali in between. And in our entirety, we make up the Pac-12 conference. And even though we compete against each other during the year, let's come together for this podcast and have a heck of a lot of fun. So without further ado, let's get to today's question. And thanks for tuning in as always. It's almost the end of the work week. It's a Thursday. We've almost made it to Friday. Let's hop right into our Pac-12 mailbag question. Today's question is from Patrick in Drexel Heights, Arizona. And he asks, who finishes last in the North and last in the South this year? And if they play each other, who wins? Again, quick reread. Question from Patrick in Drexel Heights, Arizona. And he asks, who finishes last in the North and last in the South this year? And if they play each other, who wins? So I'm going to start with the North division where there are really only two picks and maybe a third outside team in terms of finishing last in the conference. The worst two teams are likely going to be WSU and OSU with a much smaller chance of Stanford taking the final spot in the cellar. However, for me, I believe that the Beavers are going to be the worst division in the North next year, or excuse me, the worst team in the North next year. But there is a little caveat to that. I don't think they're actually a bad group. As much as I love to rag on the Pac-12 for being an inferior conference, I believe that the North is actually going to be pretty darn good next year. The Bees could finish dead last and still possibly finish with a 500 mark in a bull berth. And even though Oregon State finished 5-7 and seven last year and ultimately was a couple plays away from a 6-6 six and six mark, I just believe they lost too many pieces rise up in the standings. There's just no way I really see them improving. And here are going to be the three key reasons why I think the Bees will struggle next year. First and foremost, you know me and the offensive line. They lost three very valuable starters. Biggest name is going to be left tackle Blake Brandell. He's gone. He was actually rated the best pass blocker in the country last season. On top of that, they lost left guard Gus Lavaca. He's also gone. He was a very good run blocker. And like for OSU... I mean, you don't want to say it, but you just got to be real. They don't have the type of recruits to make up for these type of losses up front. And teams like Cal, Washington, Oregon, they should really have a field day pressuring new quarterback, Chevia. So that's going to be the first reason. Second reasons, the loss of Isaiah Hodgins and Jake Luton in that combination. This wide receiver quarterback duo was darn near unstoppable at times last year. And now they're both gone. As I mentioned previously, Jebbia should be the new starter. And I really do think he'll be a solid player. He's a highly recruited four-star prospect out of high school who landed in Nebraska before transferring to Oregon State. So I do think he'll fill Luton's shoes wells. Got a little bit of experience in the Oregon matchup last year. I really like Jebbia. However, it'll be impossible to make up for the loss of Hodgins. The senior wideout last year was truly phenomenal. And I felt like one of the most underrated players, if not the most underrated player in the entire conference. So just losing him is really going to hurt. Oregon State does have a duo of speedy wideouts in Tyjon Lindsay and Champ Flemings, but neither of them are true number one threats, and they won't create the same type of defensive mismatches and attention as Hodgins would. Third and final reason here, they have a very weak secondary. 
David Morse is really the only name to remember. Morse could be the most valuable position at the safety spot, excuse me, the most valuable defensive back at the safety spot. He's all Pac-12 honorable mention as a true freshman. But the rest of the names are kind of what-ifs. You got Isaiah Dunn and Nashawn Wright at corners. Transfers, Rez John Wright and Ron Hardage. Whoa, that's a tough name. Ron Hardage, Alton Julian, and some youngsters in JoJo Force and Keely Arnold. True freshman thrown in the fire last season. So whenever there's that many names and a lot of what-ifs, that's not going to be a good sign for a solid, compact, elite defense. And I'm not picking them to be good in the secondary. Hopping over to the South. So for Oregon State, real quickly, why I think they're going to be Pretty bad next year. Or not bad, excuse me. Finishing last in the North with maybe an outside shot to make a bowl game. One offensive line lost three key pieces, three valuable starters. Losing the basically Isaiah Hodgins, Jake Luton combination. More so for me, losing Isaiah Hodgins at wide out and a very weak secondary. So we're going to hop over to the South here with our three choices as well. Except all these teams can be equally likely to finish in last place. Not like the Stanford scenario. Arizona, UCLA. And Colorado are the three teams who figure to be hanging around the bottom doorstep. For me, though, I'd pick the Buffs to finish dead last in the South this year. I just The Buffs really <laughs> don't look good on paper. And obviously, with no spring ball, I don't see how this can change. Well, I said the North was going to be good this year. I predict the exact opposite for the South. So if I'm predicting Colorado being last, you can kind of get how I feel about them. I just don't think there's many good teams in the South this year. The only team I expect to be extremely solid is USC. I'm not necessarily sold on ASU, but with that being said, let's hop back over to CU. The Buffs, just like their Beaver counterparts, also finished 5-7 last year. And as we did with the Beavs previously, I'm going to give you three reasons why I think the Buffs are going to be dead last in the South. First and foremost, I know Buff fans do not want to hear it. It's not a probably don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. But they lost a good one in Coach Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker was a very dominant and great coach. He was a great defensive-minded leader and really a perfect kind of guy for the type of football that's going to be needed to win in Colorado. His defensive pedigree is unmatched, and he was a D coordinator in some, under some of the best names in the entire business. I mean, national championship teams. You're just not going to be able to find that year in and year out. His unexpected kind of departure to Michigan State really left a bad taste in the mouth of Buff fans, and they've essentially had to sit here and linger on this since there's been no spring ball. So nothing to really take your mind off of his departure. And looking at their defensive stats last year, they're 96 in the nation, allowing 31.8 points per game. And the thing is, Tucker wasn't there long enough to bolster the recruiting trail. So they really don't have the type of talent to improve these numbers. I mean, they do seven returning starters, but with the exception of linebacker Nate Landman, who's basically a consensus first teamer, and arguably defensive end Mustafa Johnson, the rest remain unproven. And really, Mustafa Johnson has a lot of work to do. Nate Landman is the only standout on defense. For second... And for me, maybe just as important, if not more important than the loss of Mel Tucker, they lost wide out LaVisca Chenault. He's essentially what Oregon State losing Isaiah Hodgins, the exact same synonym can apply here for Colorado and Chenault. He's essentially impossible to make up for. Defenses can now cheat up on a team that doesn't have like really any options on offense anymore. So LaVisca Chenault put a lot of pressure. The same thing I said about Hodgins. Defenses really had to pay attention to him. Be aware of mismatches. Let's not reiterate that whole thing here. You get the importance of a good wide receiver. On top of that, they also lost a very valuable second wide out in Tony Brown. Put up very, very, very solid numbers last year. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Had 700 receiving yards and six touchdowns. They also lost senior quarterback Steven Montez. So you're seeing a lot of similarities here between the Buffs and the Beavs. 
But the Buffs do have a couple playmakers. So do the Bees, but that's kind of a weird transition. Essentially, between the two schools, you got the losing the star wideout, losing the senior quarterback. So again, very kind of comparable, but not the entirety of the roster. The Buffs do have some playmakers in Alex Fontenot, Jaron Mangham, and Katie Nixon. But it's not going to be nearly enough to make up for what they had last year. And just like the Beavs as well, another weak offensive line. And plain and simple, if you can't block, you can't win. This combined with no real deep threats creates an offense that's really going to struggle. I mean, you have no one to stretch the field. And even though I was talking about like Alex Fontenot and Jaron Mangham, I don't consider these guys elite playmakers, to be quite frank. Neither do I consider Katie Nixon an elite playmaker, more of a gadget type player. Last year in 2019, Colorado ranked 83rd in the nation total offense, and the Buffs were in the lower half of 130 FBS teams in most team metrics. Also finished 100th in the nation, only scoring 23.5 points per game. So as you can see, the Buffs program is really in a state of disarray right now due to the loss of Mel Tucker and all the other pieces, and I just think they're really going to struggle next year. As I said, I think the Beavers are going to be around that 6-6, six and 5-7 six, and seven mark. The Buffs a lot worse. Let's not throw out a prediction. Let's not hurt their fan base right now. So who wins? I think I made it pretty obvious who I think is going to win. The Buffs? No. We're going with Oregon State by two touchdowns. I just think that the Beavs have better all-around playmakers and wideouts Champ Flemings and Tyjon Lindsey. Very speedy combination with the Buffs' unproven secondary. I just don't see how, essentially, they're going to stop these guys. On top of that, though, and this is really what gives Oregon State the kicker in that whole two-touchdown mark here, Jamar Jefferson, who I haven't mentioned yet, could be one of the best halfbacks in the Pac-12 for OSU. And that combination, you now have three speedsters who can really create problems on the field. And as I mentioned previously for the third time, I also think Jebbia could really be better than people realize. OSU's O-line may be inexperienced, but they should be solid enough to hold up against the Buffs D-line. <laughs> I mean, their O-line's not good by any means necessary. Again, losing three valuable starters, but the Buffs D-line is essentially nothing. And even though the Buffs do return seven defensive players, the lack of talent will be exposed by Oregon State's all-around team speed. That's kind of the big synopsis in terms of that side of the ball. Hopping over the other way or the other side of the coin here, I just don't know if the Buffs are going to be able to score on anybody this year. And even though the Beavers secondary is improving, they do a very vicious linebacking core led by Hamilcar Rashad Jr. Hamilcar Rashad Jr., obviously a first-teamer. A lot of people have him slotted as very high future NFL draft pick. Maybe not very high, but a future NFL player and arguably best defensive player in the Pac-12 this year. So he's a very, very, very important name to remember. But complementing him in the linebacking corps, you got A.V. Roberts and Omar Spates. And so you got three very solid linebackers. I really do think it could be considered a toss-up with maybe a slight edge to the Beavers up front. Talk about the lines here. And this should allow the linebacking cores to hunt down and tackle Fontenot and Mangham in the backfield for tackles for loss. Excuse me, in the backfield. I don't think Fontenot and Mangham are getting out of the grips of Rashad Jr., Roberts, and Space. <laughs> this is essentially going to place a lot of pressure on Katie Nixon at wide out to win the game for the Buffs. He's going to essentially have to do it himself. And I don't see that happening. That's assuming their new quarterback can even get the ball in Nixon's direction. So essentially, to very quickly recap, we're not going to do the whole team recap. That's way too much. But in terms of who's going to win versus Oregon State in Colorado, the Beavers are going to win because they're noticeably better on offense. And that's why I think they handled the bus by two touchdowns. Colorado's lack of playmakers will be contained by the trio of Beavs linebackers, making for an extremely fun day or afternoon or night in Corvallis. And wow, that was a lot. I kind of enjoyed hopping back into the football realm of things. I enjoy the silly questions. Very fun. <laughs> Last couple of days have been awesome. But I do love talking about football. So great question, Patrick. 
Happy Thursday. And one love. Love you all. Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming. Have a great day.